This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to cdogroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hi, welcome to the Future of Development podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montategi. Today, we're joined by the amazing inventor of Alice, Renee Morcos. Renee, gr- glad to have you on the show. It is awesome to uh, to finally sit down with the maker of real AI here. You know, you've got some, you've done some great work, and I'm excited about highlighting this and having the audience check out uh, Alice and the work you've done. So, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me, Anthony. Great to be here. You know, it is something to be said about the work that it takes to discover, you know, to really start to break down uh, computer, you know, uh, construction projects. People have said to me a thousand times, no way, we'll never be able to do that in construction. It's just too complicated, right? There's no way you can have a, a, a machine learning or a way to look at projects on a computer. It takes years and years of experience and the nuances of it. And now you've done it. Yeah. If I had a you know, as they say, if I had a dime for every time I heard that, right? Well, it can't be done. It's impossible. It's exactly what you're saying. I hear that like over and over and over again, right? And it's like, I mean, it's been done in every other field. Yeah. Right. You know, how many times has it been like, oh, it, it, it can't be done. And it's like, well, you know, it can't be done for manufacturing, right? It's too complicated, right? And then somebody sits there and puts you know, a couple hundred thousand hours into it and cracks it. So, yeah, it, it's definitely doable. Right. Um, and I think the first step in getting it done is believing it. You can do it. Right. Right. Standing, uh, standing, you know, pulling it from there. Right. You have to literally stand in. This can be done. And you're mm-hmm. going to pull the idea towards you. Right. That's what it really takes is standing over in that area and, and, and looking at it, looking at the world from this can be done. Now you start to break it down and, and get into this uh, whole idea about Alice and really get the, the thought about creating it. Where, where do you where do you start? And how, first of all, how does your background relate to creating this? I'm a construction guy, second generation civil engineer. Uh, my dad was in construction before me. And when I graduated high school, he gave me a good piece of advice. He said, you know, son, study anything you want. Just don't do civil engineering. <laughs> so like, I was a little lost with what I want to do in my life. But now it's, you've enlightened me, sir. So, uh, you know, I don't study civil engineering, but uh I used to like, I didn't, I, funnily enough, I'm a, you know, I'm a professor now, but I used to cut class. I like building stuff. And I, what the professor didn't realize is I wouldn't go to class, but I would, I would knock on the coolest projects in town. Right. And work for free. No, no I, I get it. Like, you know, like the, there's a, there's a classroom that you can get into, right. Sitting at a desk, you know, yeah. now class, right. It sounded like that in my ears. I, I yeah. guess it's very similar to you, you know, very similar. And, but getting out yeah. to the field where you've got something that, that, uh, I was like, I was just like, you know, I was blown away. Like, you know, we built a column. Like I literally remember this thought, like going home and be like, that thing didn't exist this morning. And now it does a column. Right. And it's like, okay, well, it's not very big. It's like, yeah, but it's look, it's yeah, there. It's there. It's been yeah. there for a very long time. You know? 
So yeah, I always got a kick out of that. You know, my, mine was my stepfather and I were building a house. We bought a house for 900 bucks and oh. we fixed the roof. And he had, he, he had never been a construction. I had never been. So we were, I was, you know, probably eight years old. And I remember we, we tore the roof apart step by step. We took a shovel and we, it was a shingle roof and we kind of took it apart. And, yep. uh, and we kept looking at it like how the layers go together and how this go. And we tried a couple of things and then we went to Home Depot and there was, it wasn't Home Depot back there was some other, other place, but a, a lumber yard. And the guy told us how to do it. And we, we went back and did that. And I remember we, we did fixed a roof, right? We fixed the, right? Like I could look, there was a hole there. There was literally, there was a, they had, had a fire in the house and someone was heating the house with a, with a fire in the house and there was a fire going all the way up through it. And, I remember that, you know, there was a hole. You could see the floor from the, from the outside. And then, then there wasn't one. And I thought, wow, that was cool. We, we actually took it apart, thought about it. And now, frankly, it, it did leak and we had to go back and fix it. But, but <laughs> we learned again, we learned, okay, we, you, it's hard to patch in, in the middle of a roof, a patch job, right? So we realized you had to go up a bunch more layers. And, but you know, you, you sort of learn the whys of something. And I really love that part of it. Right? Like learning why something happens and how the, right. You know, you know that, that piece you're talking about where you, you look at, you were part of doing it. You actually put those components together. I think that's really interesting, right? I mean, that's the part that most of us construction folks really love. I mean, you know, the thing that I've learned in life, like anytime you're doing something, right, you're failing, right? And, and it's like oftentimes the folks that kind of make fun of you when you're failing, almost 100% of the time are the folks that are sitting on the sidelines, you know? Because anybody that's trying, like to me, I've gotten used to the fact that like, if I'm not failing, it means I'm not moving, right? And so to build Alice, right, you know, I mean, I've put 34, 35,000 hours of my life into it. You know, it, it, ta it takes nothing has ever done it. And, and you're right. There's always those people that are on the sidelines, sitting in the bleachers, talking down to the people on the field, like, you know, mm. you know, with, with some sort of their sideline wisdom. And you're like, please just get on the field and see what I do every day to go through pushing this mountain uphill, you know, pushing, pushing this water uphill. It, it takes, you know, constant and there's, there's, there's kind of like constant pressure on you uh, from those people. And you're like, you know, it's, it's added you know, they don't help much, but then there's also that part in you that says, ha, I'm going to, I'm going to show them, right. I'm going to break this. Cause right, there's also a little part of me that loves the challenge of something, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I think that like, you know, I've started to gain motivation. Like I, I kind of realize that if the folks that are sitting on the sidelines are telling you that, that it's going to fail, you're like, Oh, well, at least I'm doing something, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, and the bigger and the, the harder it is, the more people tell you that it's, it's impossible or it's going to fail, right? But um, it's also when it succeeds, everyone's like, wow, right? And the story changes. It's like, yeah, I always told you it was going to be succeed, right? <laughs> yeah, no, so, so you start to get into uh, uh, really looking at, uh, you, so you start at, at uh, you know, skipping school, you're going to construction projects, you start to get a real uh, like for the business. Uh, how does that progress? Yeah, so it's interesting. Like for me, the the thing that I've always you know done is is really I like to drive the edge. I like to push the edge. I like to push the boundaries, right? And I think that's fundamentally what we led me to to, to this discovery and innovation, right? Like uh, you know, I remember in university, I was the guy with the big earphones, or you know, the earring, or the colored hair, or the funny like you know, funny hairstyle, or whatever it was, right? But uh, it's funny, right? Like th that's basically what led me to keep. You know, first job out of school, I went to Afghanistan, right? Nice. 
you know, and, and I, my dad had a little business at the time and I sort of said, no, I'm going to go to war zone, which like every single person was like, you know, that's a dumb idea. Why are you going to do that? Right. But, um, you know, I was 22. I had 114 people, five projects simultaneously. Uh, and I got to design, build, procure my own jobs from scratch, the whole thing. Right. Uh, which was like incredible. It was incredible. It would have taken you years in another company to do that. I mean, it would take you oh, a, a, maybe a, a lifetime, but to pass yeah. up a ladder. Oh, absolutely. And then there's certain things that you can't even do, right? Because, you know, like you can't be the city that, you know, watches for code violations and at the same time be the architect and the structural engineer. Like there's just a conflict of interest in these things. Whereas in a place like Afghanistan, it's just, there's no one else, right? It's like, you've got, you've literally got to go figure out how to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember calling my boss and saying like, Hey, there's, there's no steel. And he goes, yeah. So, and I'm like, well, I mean, like can't build without steel. And he, you know, he said, I don't give a bleep bleep, you know, bullet. we hung up, you know, and I was like, okay, now what, you know, um, but you get creative. Right. And so then from Afghanistan uh, ended up doing a PhD at Stanford, did a, what they colloquially call an industrial PhD. So, you know, I, I always like, you know, joke, like if anything's going to make you dumb, it's five years of school. You know, so I did six months off, six months on, you know, and I found I did six months of consulting work and I'd earn a little money and pay for the program that way. And so, uh, but like what I didn't realize at the time was, was again, everyone was like, Hey, that's crazy. Like, why would you want to do that? Right. But in hindsight, what was happening was I'd go to the lab, tinker around with this technology and then go try it in the field. And I'd be like, Oh man, like here's all the ways that this was, you know, a dumb idea Here's all the ways that this is not going to work. And so I'd sort of take that knowledge, go back to the lab and fix those six things, right? And then six months later, I'd be back in the, you know. And so basically, like, I think that really led to developing research that was very applied, like it had real world impact. And so through the program, like, what I started to get interested in was, was space. So think of construction. Construction projects are empty. Think of any project you literally drive down the highway, pick one, look at it, and it doesn't look like anything's happening, right? You might have like a pocket of work, but the rest of it's empty. Yeah. Now I was I was building the, the cruise ship terminal, right, in Amsterdam, and these guys are yelling that six weeks late, every day is fifty thousand euros liquidated damages. Right. So you can imagine like the mood sure. in the room. Yeah, yeah, right. right. It's pressure. Profit, mar your profit margin's gone, people are gonna get fired, you know, it's not a pleasant place. So as they're sort of yelling, I, I kind of needed to just step away. I got up, walked to the window, I'm looking outside. And this guy is basically saying like, I can't work any faster. I can't work any faster. And as I look outside, I'm like, oh, what the heck? There's there's 100,000 square foot of empty space with six people in it. Right. And that's when it hit me. I was like, because like the funny thing was that at that point in time, even though I was 23 or 24, I'd already been on... 15, 20 construction projects working, right? So that database was like, wait, like all the projects I've ever seen are empty. So I measured construction site space usage, right? And uh, what I measured was, was how much space is on average used for construction, like what percentage? And so we looked at a construction project, we split into, you know, bays, four columns, each four columns, like the zone, right? And how many of those zones were occupied? Would you like to, or would the listeners like to hazard a guess that on average, how many bays or how many zones on a construction projects are occupied? Less than two, two or less. 
It's a great guess. The answer is three, three percent. Wow. 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 So like, exactly right. Yeah. So it's like holy cow. Like if you look at asset utilizations in other fields, like top-notch factories, you know, might get 70, 80 percent. Yeah. You're looking at like three percent. So like that that number kind of to me it hit me like a lead brick. It was like, hey, something's off. Right. Like if the number was 40 or 30, right? Right. But but three. So it was like, okay, so what's going on? So I started digging into it and I was like, well, you know, increasing space usage should theoretically reduce construction duration, right? Sure. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Cool. So I was like, okay, well, if I want to increase space usage, but then what, what sort of started to come out of it was, well, if you want to increase space usage, you want to, you know, you could build column A and E and whatever, G, right? Right. Maybe you could build A and F and C or, you know, because yeah. you can't build all of the columns at the same time, right? So that, that kind of checkerboard pattern of which, you know, so what I started realizing was like, oh, you could, there's like a lot of different sequences to this problem, right? So, because, you know, which spaces are being occupied at what time? And so I was like, well, you know, being at Stanford, being in Silicon Valley, I was like, well, maybe, you know, let's use an algorithm. So we started tinkering around with algorithms, right? Built an algorithm. And then um, it was funny because I showed it to my professor and he said, you know, have you validated it with the project manager? I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, we validated it. Like the results look great, but have you actually gotten them, gotten the guy that ran the project to say that they're great? So I remember saying like, hey, but, but that guy's in Amsterdam. And the response was, I don't care if he was on the moon, validate it with a PM, right? Which I got to admit, like, you know, getting that real world and that's something that really Stanford does very well, I got to admit, getting that real world kind of, you know, feedback. So I called those guys up, you know, spent the afternoon with him and, what's like that's what changed the whole game because he was looking at the output of the algorithm and he was like yeah this is buildable so you know i jumped back in the plane you know kind of sipping on a heineken on the way back across across the pond as they say and i was like like holy cow this algorithm knows how to build it doesn't know how to build very well but it knows how to build and that rabbit hole sort of led me to develop this whole this whole sort of processor system it's the world's first generative construction simulator is the ability to set up a rule set in a, in, a, in, a, in a computer that governs your project, right? And then build it, rebuild it as many times as you want. Well, I think that's where you start to have the opening, right? Because if, if you keep looking at the way you've, people have always looked at it, you're never going to see that crack. There's never going to be this opening that this bright light that says, oh, I can do generative computing find a way to look you know look at look at this, this project schedule you know one of the things we had to, uh, there was a massive break, breakthrough was seeing you know just we, we also noticed just the time that we worked right if, if we looked at uh, we had cameras on every job site and we're doing time lapses of them and you'd watch you know from 6 a.m to two or three in the in the afternoon maybe in some up to four you know asses and elbows going but then all of a sudden from from four to six a.m., it's a ghost town. Yep. And just, and the thought was, well, how do we change that one, right? How, how do we start to open up that one, right? Yeah. And now it, it opens up a conversation like, could we have people work those hours? How, how how could that work? And until you start to have that as a possibility, there's no chance you're ever going to see in fact affect some sort of change. 
So now you now you see this possibility. You you now start to look at it from uh, a different lens. How does that yep. grow? You, you got a project manager who verifies this. Hey, this is a great output. Now you've got uh, you know a, a great process here. How do you start to really break down the pieces? Because right there's a thousand moving pieces on a job site. Yeah. So I think that the 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 trick right, and there's kind of two ideas that as you were talking came to mind. Right. One was. Um, What's interesting about it for any any of the listeners, right, is that once you've solved it and you look back at it, you're like, oh, it seems obvious. It seems super obvious, right? And that's the thing that I realized, like, the difference between doing an unknown versus a known task, it like, it's completely inc incomparable, right? Like, with a, with a known task, you know, you put in X number of hours and you get x y output two x hours two y output right well the unknown is it's like you have no idea right you're, you're kind of blundering around in the dark but to, to the listeners it's like one of the things i started wondering about is like hey if, if this is an obvious thing that's like kind of sitting here are there other obvious solutions and to problems that that literally are, are what's in front of our noses right and so i did a little bit of googling and it turns out that yes right it's like I'm convinced that there's a bunch of like obvious problems out there that are valuable that you can solve by applying, you know, but solving a problem is applying 15, 20,000 hours into it. Right? right. And so that's kind of what I started to realize, like there's a lot of innovation to be done out there if you can put the time into it. And a whole bunch of this stuff will seem obvious in hindsight. Like not all the obvious stuff has been done is, is the conclusion that I came to, I guess. Oh, right. I mean, a lot of times you look at a mess and just because there's a lot of mess, you don't see the obvious ones, right? We, we get so overwhelmed. If I can't do any of it, I'm not doing any of it. Yeah. There was like one example that, that I was looking at, which was um, fossils, right? And so fossils, like, you know, they're, they're like rocks that you take out of the ground, right? Yeah. So some lady somewhere, some researcher was, was drilling these fossils and noticed like a smell of burning hair. She's like, huh, it's kind of odd. Like, you know, could it be that? No, 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 no. And then, like, yeah, turns out that fossils have collagen in them. Mm. And you can tell a lot by the type of collagen, right, that is in these fossils from what kind of animal it was and so on and so forth, right? So, like, something super obvious where, you know, people have been handling fossils for, you know, a few decades, right? And, or many decades, right? And, and they didn't realize that there was collagen in them. Right? There's lots of these kind of, really i think large discoveries yet to be made right if someone puts a time into it the thing i see that's the hardest though is it's hard when our people are heads down and they're just doing all day right mm -hmm. you, you know in the construction world you're always kind of behind i, I i've never been on, I, here i've literally never been on a project in my entire career that we have more than enough time we're always behind there's always some force up against us, you know, now, now, now kind of pushing us. Uh, and it, it, there's a, there's that pressure. So I feel a lot of times there's not a lot of thinking. It's just a lot of doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it take, it really does take an outside point of view to support this. Now when I'm, you know, receptive or not receptive, that's a whole nother question, but being able to stand back a little bit and look at it a little bit differently, uh, uh always seems to, there's another opportunity, right? You know, getting some outside help to come in and, and really assess 
all right, look, you're not, you guys aren't seeing this. You're too close to the fire. You're not seeing that you're, you, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and that's avoidable. We, here we can make a couple of quick, easy changes. Here's the easy ones. Let's just do the, you know, if there's 20 things you're doing wrong, let's just get the, let's get the five easy ones. Right. Right. And then it seems like the next five get a little bit less difficult to, to start to understand. So you, you start to see this. You, so you start to see the complexity of it and, and start to break it break it down in, in the parts and pieces. So the easy ones come first. So talk about how does this continue to uh, unwind for you? How, how does it, uh, you're, you're solving the problem in the lab and you're going back in, in the field and you're kind of kind of testing it. Yeah, the, th the thing about innovation, right, is that like there's this book that I read called How to Fly a Horse, right? Best book on innovation that, that I've by far. Um, and I've read a bunch of them. Uh, and this book explains what innovation really is. And, and most people think of innovation as like, you know, A, you've got to be some like super genius, right? And the super genius like crunches this, this, this massive problem in their head and they have this aha moment, right? This huge light bulb goes off and they're like, I got it, right? And that, this is it. That's, that's the solution, right? Um, yeah, so, so both of those kind of, you know, both parts of that statement are false, right? A, it doesn't need a super genius. And B, it's not an aha moment. So what what the journey for me has literally been like, oh, so you solve you solve these three little issues. And you're like, oh, okay, now I'm a little smarter. But those three things that I solved unlock the next six things. And, you know, you, you address thing number one and you try four different ways of doing it and you solve it. You try thing number two, you try three different ways of doing it and you solve it. Thing number four, three and four and so on and so forth. And that, like now that you solve those six, you're like, oh, you've unlocked the next layer of, of questions, right? And that, that is innovation. And that like, like the, the, the truth is that, that here's the fallacy is that people think that like, oh, I'm not succeeding because I'm a not smart enough or I'm not working on the right problem. No, it's just that the, the stuff that was like just easy, like, Hey, I just had to solve six little problems and it took me a week and I'm done are truly rare. Right. That's right. It's meant to happen when there's like a shift in technology or something like that. Right. But the stuff that like, you know, is an actual innovation, it's just, can you stick to that process for a year or two or three? Right. And get to a point where you solved it. Right. And it's like Edison said, like innovation is 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. And it's totally true. Like he, he spent a year in the lab trying to create a light bulb and he like, he had a, a gut sensor and intuition that putting current through a wire was going to create a light bulb. But the problem was it burned everything. And so he, you know, his, his thinking was, hey, I will try, like that the solution is to find a material that won't burn. Right? Kind of makes sense. That's right. That's right. So he went through thousands, right, of material. That's right. And that somebody said to him, you know, and, and you know, I don't know if this is just legend, but the, the story goes that they said, "Hey, you failed a thousand times." And his response was, "No, I've just found a thousand ways this won't work." That's right. And that's that's literally it. So at some point, he was like, "Wait, instead of getting a material that won't burn, why don't I take the oxygen away? Why don't I encase it in glass and there's no oxygen in there?" Boom, and that was it. That was the solution, right? But to get there, right, he had to go try all these different materials, right? And so that's kind of it. Like the, the thing with innovation is that like it's little tiny stuff. And the, the thing that's happening in construction, right, is that we're living through the most exciting time in construction ever, since, ever, ever. since arguably the pyramids, right? 
absolutely it's it's absolutely the most amazing time if you're not excited about this you're not seeing it the most dynamic time we've ever had uh ever and it started in my opinion in, in about 2017 and what's happening in construction today is what happened to the manufacturing industry in the 80s construction is getting digitized it's getting revolutionized it's getting automated it's getting optimized like all of that stuff's happening and it's happening at the speed of light like it's crazy and, and there's a new ecosystem coming at us in construction, a completely new ecosystem. That ecosystem is going to be data-driven, right? That's the new currency of this ecosystem. And it's not a one-person or one-company game. And what's super, super exciting, by the way, is that that VC, like the VC money, that's venture capital money that's being pumped into construction um, is what's enabling this. And what I what, what's really interesting is, is that, you know, maybe five years ago, like, I was like, oh, like, you know, we're working on the really, you know, cutting edge AI stuff, right? Like, you know, I wouldn't want to be at a construction company working on like non-cutting edge stuff. What I'm, what I then realized a couple of years later is like, hey, every single person in this field can be playing this cutting edge game. Well, I, I think the, you're hitting on a lot of great stuff there. You know, the, you know, for most, here, all of my career, it's this last couple of years, have I started to see this, you know, BIM, really changed the model you, you can almost see the line and it the curve up dramat dramatically at bim right you can you can almost see you know where there is this huge influence at bim where you start to look at uh the components right you're not just drawing a line on a piece of paper now that that line now represents components and now all the other technologies that have been developing for all the other parts of the world, the financial markets, the me medical fields, uh, you know, uh, intelligent you know, communications, all of those technologies are now being applied. And, and it really needed to be able to look at, you know, start, started with BIM, right? You really, you really needed to be able to look at componentized um, construction so you could see the parts and pieces. And in mm -hmm. fact, I think right now there are lots of groups that are running at uh, gathering, I, I couldn't, I could not preach more on a daily basis how important data is, right? And and and, and you know, over here, I, I get a lot of heck for for man, that just seems like a lot to capture. I'm like, you understand, you you can't tell today what data you're going to need in the future. Right now, try to collect as much of it as you can in every aspect that you can, and that's a that's a that's a it feels daunting to some people, but I'm like, it's in the way that we practice. It's, it's in the way that we practice the, the, our processes that will capture. It should not feel like this load that we have to carry. It should, it should literally be in the way that we practice uh, our, our, our projects. That's exactly it. I mean, it's the thing that like, again, right, if you're sitting in a construction company, right, you know, you might think to yourself like, oh, well, I'm not working on the cutting edge stuff. The cutting edge stuff is too, you know, difficult. Like, no, these startups are your R&D departments. That's right. You have now, literally, the game is that you have access to two, 3,000 R&D departments. And, and the name of the game, the, the, the general contract of the future will be successful based on three things. How fast and can they identify these new technologies, right? How can they, how well can they um, evaluate them? And how well can they integrate them, right? That's right. That is it. Because if you are a construction company that is not leveraging whatever the heck it is, you know, a uh, billion dollars of, of VC money right, going into it, then you are going to get outdone by somebody that is. 
and and to answer your question, like to answer sort of or you know to, to kind of riff off some of the stuff that you were saying, which is that as you go, like this stuff is is step by step, right? You know, if you sit there and you're like, well, do I need to you know build X or do like what is it that I really need to do? So you know, I'll sit there and I'll say, okay, let's try. You know, I'm looking at I know my business. And I know that the, the, the biggest problem we have is X. And the second problem, biggest problem is Y. So what will solve X or Y? Let's take a look at it. And trust me, there's a startup somewhere that's working on it, that's right? right? That's right. So let's take a look at these startups. How, how many of them are actually, okay, let's figure out which are the best startups in this field. And then take that and then so implement it, right? And what you'll do is you'll implement and you'll learn because the, the software, the technology is a tool is still, like you were saying, the processes around that tool that ultimately make it a success. You know, uh, the, the, the army, you know, there's still someone flying those F-16 jets right, or F-35s or whatever it is, right? And so, you know, so now that you use the software, you're like, oh, the software enables these things that I wasn't able to do before, but I've learned that it's requiring me to tweak my process or what I'm doing to, you know, input this data that I wasn't doing before, right? And so let's kind of sit down and rework, you know, how what processes in the company are and how they work, right? So that's sort of, you know, roughly it. Well, and it, there's there's that. I, I get this question all the time. Where do I start, right? Because you're your GC and you're you're used to doing it the caveman way. You you know you carry heavy stuff over, you bang on it, you know, and you make or not make money and all the stuff that goes with it. And and then then we're saying, oh hey, you know, hey guys, there's another way of doing this, but it's going to require some upfront work which you've never done but ultimately you're trying to solve kind of three things that you want to i mean most companies are trying to solve three things right yep. how do i make money yep. right how do i get it done on time and uh, you know how do i give the customer what they want quality wise right, I mean, right. so they're trying to solve those two th three things and you know, there's they fail or not fail, but it's hard to understand. Once they're in it, it's too hard. They're they're failing or not. You know, wherever they're at, there's not much they can do at that point. It's too late, right? And, and trying to recover in a failure is is really difficult. And and to say to them, hey, well, look, I, I'm I, I can see what's happening. You keep messing up out here. It's not out here. It's the problem. No matter how much out here work you do, you're you're not going to change this. It has to do with something you're doing back here. Right, the the process, and what I mean by that is something in the beginning of the process, before you big, before you started digging, the day before day one on the job site, you won or lost this job before you ever showed up there. Yep. That that's always I, I, I've done this a thousand times with hundreds of project managers throughout my career, and, and all these people that that work for, and every time we have a failure in the project or a, a, a point that fails, you can go back always and find something that happened. Now there are some nuances of things that happen or city or just real rare anomalies that happen and they happen, right? In our business, it seems like rare anomalies are the norm. Uh, but you know, to mitigate as many of those as possible, it really does take looking at the other side of this a lot different before you start moving anything. The, the thing that's like interesting with, with our technology with Alice, that you can build a project 60 time, different times, different ways before you build it, right? So that that faith that you have and, hey, I'm, I can actually build it this way, you know, is substantially higher because you have actually built it this way. You've actually simulated the project in that sort of construction method, right? Um, and the, the thing, the, the other thing that I was thinking about is like, 
never underestimate the power of a motivated team, a small group of people is motivated and isn't driven by ego so much, right? Which is like, they can sit down and they can say, Hey, what are the things that we learned? Let's try this again and then do it. And then, Hey, what are the things we learned? Let's try it again. Right. And like a team like that, like one team in a company. And the reason I say this is that's what I, that's what I was doing in the six months when I wasn't doing my PhD, when I was working, which is I'd, I'd go back to the Netherlands. And it's, it's interesting. Like originally when, when, when we showed up there, we were like, Hey, we got, you know, BIM and scheduling. And I mean, these guys would roll their eyes, right. You know, it's like a little village in the Netherlands and they're like, you know, you gotta be kidding me. Like this is all this Silicon Valley bullshit. You know, you guys are all crazy, but you know, slowly, slowly, you know, I found one guy that was willing to learn BIM. And that guy would start creating BIM models. Next thing you know, there's a project manager that was like, hey, I, I like working off of these BIM models, right? That's right, that's right? You know, the scheduler was sort of was like poking his head in the door and going, wait, can I do X or Y or Z, right? So, you know, that's kind of like where, where we, uh, how we did it. As you sort of go through, you know, forward, like there are always people in any organization that, that are like willing to kind of push the, 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 push the envelope on innovation. And once you like the, the, the name of the game is, is can you get a critical mass of people? Yeah. Right. And it literally is that like, once you get a critical mass of people, it, at some point it changes. And it's like, we we're talking about like, Oh, like folks. Yeah. Originally everyone's like, Oh, you guys are nuts. It's never going to work. But once it starts working, other folks, I want to be part of that. Right. Well, Why can't and that's the, that is the, the early adopters are brave, right? You, you got to give it to them. The early adopters that jump in with you and go down the belief path with you. And I just can't believe sometimes how, how much uh, resistance there is. In the, and I can, because look, I'm the same guy who complains about his iPhone getting updated every day. So look, I, I get how there's resistance to change happens, but you know, when we saw BIM, Right, all of a sudden we could, you know, I remember back when we first started uh, Revit and auto, well, even, even for AutoCAD, like when AutoCAD started, I'm like, oh my God, right? Look at this, it was just like another level that we could see axes and well, X and Y, and uh, you know, the different axes, you could really start to see a 3D model. And that was one level. And then you got to, uh, you know, where we start to look at really Revit, where you're, the components of them. Now you're seeing the parts, right? You can see the parts, but then you're still, on one side, you, you're, you're seeing every single part and you're breaking it down and you know every component, but you're still over on the scheduling side acting like, I don't need to do that, right? Yeah. And it's, so you've got this amazing thing happening over here, but then you're still acting like this uh, guessing factory over on the other side where you're not willing to, 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 to go in and do that same breakdown. The answer is economics, right? Like most things. That's right. and, and the reason that, that like, Here's the issue, right? Um, the effort required to create detailed schedules that are useful is way too high. So we sat down and we actually calculated. So if you were to create a schedule that modeled crews working on components, crew A moves around to this zone, that zone, this zone, works with steel, works with concrete, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it could take you two years to create one single schedule. So people don't have that kind of time. So what you do is you cut it down. And so what's interesting about it is like, it's exactly the things that people said weren't, weren't possible. Like construction is too complicated. It can't be, you know, boiled down the computer. Yes. If, right. Or unless, right. If what you want to do is you want to have a button for every single type of nuanced construction, then you'll have like 10,000 buttons. 
So I agree. If you were going to solve it that way, it's not solvable. But if you boil down construction into the key core generalized scheduling constraints, that becomes possible. How do you start to do that, right? So you take, give me some examples of that. How are you taking the key components and, and so, uh, uh, decide that? Which, which, what are the key components? Yeah, so, so like if, if I had a, a dime for every time I heard, you know, this statement, right? It's just like, oh, it can't be done, you know, because oh, I could see how it would, it, the first thing is it can't be done. Then you show it to them. And the next thing is, well, well, I see how it would work for that kind of project, but it wouldn't work for my super secret kind of project, right? <laughs> but the, the truth of the matter is, it's like, A, it's construction, right? So the truth of the matter is that whatever project you are building, and here's the answer, the riddle, you are building elements, right? Or components. That's right. That's right. Those components are constrained by physics. That's right. And you need, you need some tasks and some resources to build those elements. Right. So elements, resources, and I would venture to say time, right? There's a time component, right? So you yeah. kind of got... Uh, exactly that. And if you elements, that, that are, elements that are constrained by physics, so some elements on top of each other, right? You don't want to build the roof before the foundation. Right. That's right. And those elements require tasks, and those tasks require resources. And a task has a duration in it. So that's where it comes in. That's right. But once you, you know, when you think of it that way, every construction project in the world is kind of the same. Exactly. Doghouse, skyscraper. Same. It's an element that is constrained by physics that needs tasks and resources to be built. And so that's the thing, like, the truth is when, when people are like, oh, it can't be done. And I was like, you know what? I've built concrete columns on four continents. And I swear to God, there's one way to do it. I don't care if you're in Bangladesh or Beijing or, you know, Chicago. You are going to put the rebar up. You will put a formwork around it. You're going to pour the concrete, wait for it to cure, dry, and then you're going to move the formwork. There's one way to do it. So I thought to myself at the time, truthfully, it was kind of interesting is I thought like, you know what? If nothing else, it can be done for concrete. Like I know that, right? Turns out that it can be done for most things in the world. So as you start to look at each of the components, right? So you, you, you get the, there's a limited number of components or is there, or, or, or is it endless? Are, are components <laughs> endless? Yeah. So here, here's, here's the other like thing. So people are like, oh, it can't be done, right? You're like, okay, why not? Well, because think about it, right? For you to create a, a simulation or a schedule, right, that is useful, you'll need you know, 500 to about 6,000 tasks. Kind of interesting, right? But literally, you can, you can, you can manage probably 80% of the projects in the world with 6,000 tasks or less. Right? We've seen projects where there's 100,000 tasks, nuclear facilities. We've seen projects with 20,000, so on and so forth. But like, most projects are about 6,000 tasks, 5,000, 3,000, 1,000. That's kind of it. Now, the issue is that, that people are like, oh, well, it, if you were to create a list of 6,000 tasks and then the constraint for each of those tasks, it's it's extremely time prohibitive. Sure. It can't be done. Right. They're like, yes, it can't be done if you approach it that way. But what if, right, I create a recipe, a template of five tasks to build a column, and that template gets copied a thousand times for each of the thousand columns in my project. Okay, so, so here you got twenty-five yeah. columns per floor, 
You got, yeah. tw- you know, 50 floors. That's scalability. Boom. So the scalability. So, so then what I'm trying to say is that boiling it down into the key constraints, right. And then enabling that scalability of putting in a few rules and they generate 3000 tasks was the two tricks to solve these problems. Hmm. And oftentimes, like, I remember, like I, I read this thing, I, you know, years ago and it was like, you know, somebody's like, Hey, I've got this idea and I'm going to like, burning gas expands it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the gas in a cylinder and we use that to, to power this, this horseless carriage. Well, like, yeah, but, but the cylinder expands one way. Like, you know, how are you going to compress it? Can't be done. And I remember reading this little story and sure. it's like, well, the answer is like, well, I'm going to have these cylinders in a circle. There's going to be these pistons and they're going to kind of circle around. Yeah, but if you do that, you know, at one point the gas should be expanding. Another point, you're going to be putting more fuel into it. And that's how it works. Well, yeah, but but I'm going to have this this four phase cycle when the when the gas is going to go out and the, the fuel is going to come in, etc. Solve it. Yeah, but then if you build a car, like you know, you can't start. You'll, you're going to need different gears. Can't be done. Well, I you know I, I thought about it. I thought I got a gearbox, right? Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, but the car won't be able to drive at night. Well, I'll put lights in it. Yeah, but that's never going to work. I mean, what about when it, when it, when you're driving fast, right? The wind's going to you know blow in your eyes. Well, I'll wear goggles, or I'll put a windshield. Okay, but what if it rains? Then you really host. Well, I'll invent these things called windshield wipers, right? Like that's literally how it works, right? That's right. And, and it, like the thing is that like most people think like oh that that only applies to like, innovation only applies to like building software or building, you know, something in a lab or building, you know, I don't know, vaccines or like innovation comes from some of the most successful companies in the world came from process innovation. Well, that's right. Cause you're, when you're thinking about the engine, you're not thinking about the windshield wiper, right? Mm-hmm. But the guys who create the engine are the kind of people who create the windshield wiper. Cause they're, they realize that there's a problem and I'm yeah. here to solve it. And, and, I'm, I'm not. I'm not constrained by what's what is. I'm yep. constrained by a, a, a solution. I, I, you know, my my desire to find a solution to this this problem. Exactly. That, which, by the way, didn't exist when I created the engine. Right when I created the engine, Bingo. there was no windshield. Bingo. And it's like if you're in a company, you're like, hey, how can we, you know, be more innovative? How can we drive profit? How can we get more clients? Like, and it's going to boil down to, okay, well, how are we doing business today? Right. And a lot of companies they don't know. We're like, I don't know. We're all smart. It's like, okay, well, maybe let's sit down and, and draw up a process map, right? You never follow it 100%. I get that. But like, okay, here's how we do business today. You know, uh, Mary gets this input and then hopefully she produces that output, right? And Jane gets, you know, this input from Mary and produces hopefully that output. And here's the go, no-go decision. Here's it's it, right? And so it's like, okay, what if we apply this technology to it, right? And that tweaks X, Y, Z, right? Like, it's kind of the same thing, right? You're like, oh, but we tweaked the process this way and, and hey, here's where it broke down. Right. No panic. Let's see where it broke down. Can we fix that with a check or like a document or something else? Like, this broke down, that broke down. Like, it's kind of the same thing. And as you go through it, like, you know, for you to create a new way of doing business, like a new set of processes of the company, you know, it's probably a year, right? But the truth is it's, it's fun. Right. Like, cause once you get like that kind of core team of people that are sort of all on the same page of like, Hey, we're actually trying something that hasn't been done. And, and if it's successful, here's all the benefits we expect to see. Like it's, it's energizing. 
you know, people like to do that. They get jazzed about it. Well, I, I think what happens is it starts a way of being, right? I, you know, um, I, I w- I'll give you a little example. I was, you know, I'm 53 and I'm sitting in my living room last year, COVID, all the pandemic, feeling a little restless. You know, I'm 53. Am I, you know, is this how I'm going to go through the rest of my life? Kind of, you know, married man, kids, and, you know, just kind of this, this, routine I live, right? I get up, I turn on these lights, I do this, I make coffee, I take the dog. I have, I have a route I live. It's a, it's a routine and it's successful, right? Cause I, I get my day done. I know where my keys are. My, I take out the garbage. So I my bills get paid. There's a system, but I don't know that was living life, right? I don't know that life was designed to be a routine. Now, effective in some respects, and you know that, that you know my my family knows where I'm at, and I don't wander off the place. So there's some some value there, but then I noticed that there's another part of me that really needs to be lit up, which was that adventure, right? Yeah. And, and and as soon as I I, I wanted to do a couple of things, and I, I said, look, I want to go. I went and tried. I said, I'm gonna try flying airplanes, hmm. and just in the idea that I'm gonna try flying airplanes. Then I said, I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing this podcast and I, the, the podcaster. And then I started uh, another, another venture and I started, you know, four or five other ventures. And, and what happened was it spears on a way of being like a challenge, go back to challenging myself. And, you know, I think that's what happens with people who start innovating. Like they start with, you know, you get it and start to notice that whenever you're not innovating, and you're, and you're feeling, all right, now it's time to go try something new. Go, go try on. If your company's in the doldrums and you feel like it's stuck, if you're an owner, you know, I, I've owned this company for 25 years. And if for 25 years, I've had to re, in fact, now I'm not the f- president of the company. I, I gave that up to somebody else because it was time to innovate with some new blood that I'd, I'd been for. So it, it, it took doing some things differently and which by the way it's grown better now than ever before right the team that runs it today it's great now i can do some other things that are fun with the company i get to spend time with people but it takes stepping out realizing okay let's try on something new even here believe me and letting go of being the president of a company because i was the here when i introduced hi i'm anthony montague i'm the president of this company all right that's that's you know there was a way i was and not that I'm not valuable there, but I needed the, I, I, the company wasn't going to change if I kept doing what I was going to do, what I was doing. And we were really taking on a women-owned company. My, my wife owns the company and she became the president. And now we were able to hire differently. And, you know, it was kind of hard to say we we're a women-owned company and being run by a man, right? It didn't match, right? And some of that took a lot of, and by, by the way, giving that up, like stepping back and going, all right, I'm not going to be the president. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to twiddle my thumbs. Am I going to be valuable? Am I going to be important? It took a lot of, you know, so, so like going back to your point, finding, uh, you know, being in that spot where you start to solve problems and start to innovate, it, it creates a, a long run of, it, it really starts a run of, of innovation. Yeah, I, I think that right. I think that like Reinhold Messner, which is the first guy to summit uh, Everest without oxygen, um, said, you know, he said, what was it? There can be no adventure without death, right? <laughs> Which I think is a little bit on the extreme side, but but what he's really saying is 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 kind of true, right? Which is like there is no adventure without some risk of failure. That's right. And so you know, the, the, if if you're doing something where there's no risk of failure, 
Hey, I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, you can't be risking everything all the time. Like you're, you're a contributing member of society, right? You've got responsibilities, but if there's no risk of failing in any aspect of your life, then generally people will start to get bored. You know, so, so it's, uh, let's get back in it. So you, now you start to innovate, you get into this and you say, all right, I've got this, I see something different about construction. Start to notice there's tasks and, and how, do, how, do, how does, how do you get to Alice, right? Because there's, you know, look, a thousand, I, I have a death by a thousand checklists and spreadsheets and forms in our business that, you know, I've, I've tried to process, you know, make processes out of a thousand different parts of it. And now you start with Alice, where, where do you begin? How did you really start to get the bigger momentum, the total picture, not just one part of it, but the total picture of what of Alice's solution? You know, I really don't think that's how it works. Like I, I, I've got to admit to you, maybe embarrassingly, like that there wasn't a moment where I was like, oh, I've got all the pieces and like, you know, I started working on space optimization. Space optimization got me to start using algorithms to optimize space. Somehow intuitively, I knew that if I optimize only space and nothing else, I'm just going to get crap. That's right. Like, okay, so I got to optimize space and precedence. That's when the, 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 the guy that I showed it to was like, oh, that works. And I realized, hey, without, without, I need resources, like labor, equipment, materials, right? So I added equipment materials to it, right? And I was like, oh, it's growing, it's working. So then at that point, I was like, wait, if I have this little thing on the, on the front end that generates the input file for the scheduler, right? Called a planner. That's right. Right. And so I, and I had, you know, an idea of how that planner would work. Right. And I remember like working with, with, with my colleagues and like, you know, I remember one, at one point they, they asked me a question and I sort of smiled and like, you got to realize like, I'm the guy I've read like 3000 papers, publications and construction scheduling, you know, put together this team, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I kind of smiled and I said, you know, I have led it this far. Right. But at this point in time, you guys are way deeper in the weeds way more aware of what what the issues that need to get solved are than I am. And so respectfully, I'm not going to give you my opinion because I think yours is better than mine. Right. And so we solved kind of the next piece of the puzzle, right? Like, I think what I'm trying to explain is that it's the thing that we solved today enabled the next layer of stuff and the next layer of stuff, and the next layer of stuff. And at some point after we had like solved, you know, three or four major layers is when it was like, wait, this thing could actually be this, this, this whole, you know, beast that we didn't think about. Right. But um, one of the best pieces of advice given to me, you know, one of my dad's friends actually said, he said, if you ever look at, you know, to, to achieve something, you need like seven steps, right. To get to B from A to B, you need seven steps. Never wait until all seven steps are clear to you. That's right. Just figure out how to get to step one. And once you get to step one, figure out how to get to step two. You know, and that's, it's really, you know, been a very, very useful thing in my life. And that happens all day in construction. I'll, I'll get, I'll get subs or a contact or somebody say, Hey, look, if, if, if I can't come get all of that work done, I'm not going to come and do any of it. And, and, you know, they'll say it's an electrician and they were missing a part or piece. And they're like, well, I've got this 40 hours to do, but I'm not going to come do any of it because I can't do all of it. I don't want I don't want to have to do it twice, but ultimately they don't realize that get over there and get started. And then they realize the 40 hours they thought they had really become 60 hours they had. At least they got 35 of the 60 done and they're, they're moving forward. And, it, and by the way, they realized the parts they were waiting for, they needed some other parts 
Right. And you, you don't get that until you start to go, like you said, start going down that path. So now, now you get a group of people and, you, and now how long, how long is your group been working on? How many hours do you think you guys have invested in, in creating Alice? Uh, I can tell you uh, something around 300,000. 300,000 hours in putting, putting it together. Now, for folks out there that haven't seen Alice, I, I really want them to get an understanding of how Alice works. Let's kind of go down uh, the components of, of how, all right, so let's, so really paint the picture of how, when I'm talking to Alice, hey, Alice, I need to, to, to reschedule, put the schedule together. Talk, let's talk about how that happens. So what is Alice, right? Um, it's probably a good thing to put at the beginning of it, but let me start. <laughs> what is what is Alice? What is Alice? So Alice is a generative construction simulator. And so for folks that are unaware of what generative construction is, don't worry, you'll be experts in about 30 seconds. Generative construction, the way I explain it is by using an example of parametric design. So don't worry, all, all the dots will connect in, in literally 30 seconds. Um, Parametric design. What is parametric design? Let's assume that you want to draw a cylinder. So today you draw kind of two lines and a plane. Let's say you want a smaller cylinder. You redraw it. A bigger cylinder. You got to redraw the cylinder every time, right? If the tool's parametric, you've got a height diameter. You change the parameter, right? And the tool redraws your object. Does that make sense? That's right. In our field, we call parametric design BIM. That's right. That's what it is. You can change the height of the columns and, you know, the 3D model updates, the 2Ds update, all that kind of stuff updates, right? BIM is fundamentally two technologies. It's object-oriented. It knows it's a column made of concrete on the third floor, and it's parametric. So that's parametric design. And we've lately seen the advent of generative design. What does that mean? It simply means I don't want to change the parameters one by one. I want you, the computer, to change them for me. Go through all the options from 1 to 10,000 and give me... Give me the best solution with the greatest rentable area, the greatest power output for my engine, and so on and so on. So that's what, what generative design is. It has never been done in construction, and that's what Alice is. Alice is a generative construction simulating simulator. What we do with Alice is we can generate 60, 70 different ways of building a project almost instantaneously. You can literally say, add a crane, rebuild it. Add a crew, rebuild it. Try overtime, rebuild it. Like, re-simulate. Literally, you, you will type in, create new simulation run, you'll add a crane to the parameters, hit re-simulate, and it will boom. Like, you've got one crane, it builds building A, then building B, you add two cranes, buildings A and B go up at the same time. That's right. right. So, and for each of the solutions, it will give you a, a generated schedule, a 4D, and all that kind of stuff, right? The way we did it, right, is that we, we, we realized, or, or, or I realized, we realized that you have to separate planning from scheduling. Just to make the distinction, planning is? Planning is the rules that govern your construction project. So rules. Uh, I, I can't, uh, you can't put, you got to put footings first before foundations, foundations before. That's one rule. That is the physics. Got it. Got it. So it's got to be physics. The, well, that's one. There's three rules. Okay. The first rule is physics. Which elements sit on top of which elements? Got it. Got it. And then I need to build it in that order, right? Rule number two is grouping and splitting. So in construction, you don't tend to manage things column by column. I'm going to build all the columns on the third floor in one go. It's one task. Rule number three is what we call recipes. And uh, recipes are what tasks and what resources do you need to build this uh, element? 
So those are the rules. Notice though, that the big difference is I don't figure out how to build a whole project. That's the scheduling. That's a, we stopped referring to scheduling, we call it simulating, right? But I've told the software, here's how you build a column. Apply that to all the columns. Here's how you build a slab. Apply that to all the slabs. Here's how you build a foundation. Apply that to all the foundations. Here's the resources I have available. That's it. I don't get into how those resources are getting shuffled to the tasks, how they're moving around the project and which are available and not of it. Like that's the crunching part, the number crunching, let the computer do that. Basically, right, the way it works is you set up the rule set, you send it to the, the, the scheduler or the simulator, I could say, and that crunches it for you and starts to generate solutions. And you can then start exploring, right? And that's kind of like one of the cool things, right? Which is there isn't one way to build a project. There's lots of ways to do it. Right, you can build it with one crane, two cranes, overtime, overtime, 12 steel crews, 14 steel crews, and so on and so forth. And so with 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 this solution, right, you can start generating and exploring the most optimal way to build something. And what you'll figure out is that, you know, on average, we can save about 17% on the duration, construction duration, and about 13% on labor and equipment costs. Got it. So by by looking at the little, so be, uh, being able to look at each of the components and and re re uh, figuring them out, re, you know, going back and regenerating the schedule, the model. Now you can start to see, uh, you know, places where you can save. Now, give me some ideas on how that works, real quick. For example, what you what you'll say is, um, let me run this with you know four steel crews, you know, one crane, no overtime three carpenter crews and, and you know, whatever it is. Okay. You run it and it says, okay, your duration is, call it 270 days. Well, okay, great. Um, what happens if I add a crane? And uh, it will rerun it and it'll say your duration is 260. So like, well, it doesn't make any sense. Why is it, why is it not a big, you know, I expect a bigger improvement, right? And you'll, you dig into it. And here's what's funny, right? It's like, what you think is you build belief in an AI system when you change a parameter and you see the effect that you expect. It turns out that there is more belief that you gain when you change the parameter, you see an effect that you didn't expect and upon investigation realize that it's correct because yeah. it was right when you were wrong. That, that's right. That's right. That, that, uh, my current example is one that I'm familiar with because it happened to us. And so upon, you know, everyone's like, what the heck? It doesn't work. We're like, well, hold on, hold on. We looked at it and it's like, oh, we have an extra crane, but there's not enough steel that we can supply. Mm. Right. So that's the thing that like a lot of folks ask us, like, what is a critical path? What are the critical tasks? Our entire industry is like hell bent on this way of thinking. With Alice, what, what you can start asking is, well, do you want to know the critical path, which we can give you, sure. but what about the critical resources? What about the critical calendars? Right. What about the relationships? Right. Cause all of that kind of stuff, it's like a cocktail. It's like you're cooking a meal. It's all interacts with each other, right? And so like what's really interesting about it is that like you'll start to see that oftentimes what you get the biggest bang for your buck when you do like two or three changes at the same time, right? If you add a crane, increase the steel supply, you know, rate, and for example, tweak overtime for steel crews, right? then boom, that's when you suddenly see that big, you know, 20%, 15%, you know, jump. And I think that's the thing that that helps is because being able to look at the factors of the recipes 
therein lies the those spots where I can, I can kind of yeah you know, it's it, it's such a big thought to do by myself you, you, you know it would take you forever to get there just you could have them but just to be able to get there having a computer program that can go through and have all of those thoughts for me mm-hmm. dramatically I, I love that I mean that, and that's really where the differentiator is for Alice is that it's having those thousands and thousands of related thoughts uh, relationship the, the components the time all of those all those comp- aspects are happening in seconds rather than what would take me you know, we, hours or weeks to do. Years, we think, actually. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. I'm trying to get my, my, my ego. <laughs> yeah, what's interesting about Anthony is that, like, what we're seeing with AI, and there's a pattern that we've noticed at Stanford, is that we see that over and over again, right? What you'll notice is that what AI does or technology does is it becomes the entity that does the crunching, and the human becomes the entity that sets up what needs to be crunched and interprets the results. And a little, a little while down the line, a new AI comes along and that piece of the puzzle is now what gets crunched. And then the human, again, is what sets that piece of the puzzle up and interprets those results, right? So what's interesting with, with Alice is like, Alice will quickly tell you, for example, that if you had, here's a good example, right? So let's assume that you had four steel crews and the duration was 270. And then you look at the graph and, and one of the things that you'll see with Alice is like, well, that fourth crew isn't really used. Right? Like it's, you know, out of, right, right. Now, fourth crew is kind of sitting around, like they're used on these two weeks. And other than that, they're sitting around. Right. So you'll say, well, let me rerun it. You'll rerun the simulation with three crews. And the duration might be 275, five days slower. So like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't, you know, I don't really care. Let's do that. But what I'm saying is somebody on the job might say, yeah, but I want that fourth crew, right? Because if... If I have three and one of them doesn't show up, I get really dinged. That's right. That's right. That fourth crew is my buffer. Now you're starting to see how the interplay. We've started to refer to it not as AI, but IA intelligence augmentation. Well, I, you know, uh, I think there's where you know it, it starts. The model starts getting smarter and smarter. You know, like like I said, you're now at, at this level model. Now the model, the next level model, it starts becoming. You know, uh, you start looking at ratings of, of people, their absentee, you know, time of year. You start to really look at the human as as a component, right? And start to measure, get get smarter at measuring their effect. You know, you know. In other words, are they, you know, five star, four star, three star uh, employees, and you know, for their deliverable and their consistency, and that starts to get measured. And then that I think your model starts getting even smarter. Great. Look, if I've got all five star uh, crew. Great. Then they they rarely uh, have a have a missing component or a, a day off or, or or you know miss a, miss a schedule. Uh, then maybe I can go to that three crews. But if I'm looking at hey I've got four, three stars or three I can't risk uh, you know the rest of the schedule on that. I, I can't I can't lower that. So I think you know that's where you know the next level really starts continues to get smarter and smarter and grow more and more intelligent uh, every every single time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing about algorithms, right? They're pretty stupid to start with. But the, the thing about them is that you teach them something, they, they don't even forget it. That's right. You know, something else, you teach them, like every time you teach it, it, it that's that's now its, its baseline dumbness. You know, but you do that over, you know, 300,000 hours, right? It, it starts to get pretty smart, you know? Well, I got to tell you, you guys, are, you're, you're, your group is breaking 
uh, the breaking barriers. I mean, it, it's uh, it's revolutionary. It's fun to watch. What you're doing is, uh, you know, just it, it it's it makes me giggle inside and with lots of lots of joy for the work that you're doing. You know, your 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 entire group is 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 breaking. Uh, you know, break, breaking these ba boundaries and, and Alice Technologies, you know, as, as you guys continue to break this, and by the way, I love having this conversation about how you built it. I think the audience is getting a really good sense for your, uh, you know, what, what, how, you've, how you've built this and where you've gone with it. Uh, you know, as you continue to make these breakthroughs, I, I want our audience to really get involved. By the way, guys, I'm going to put a link down below. Please, please, please go to uh, alicetechnologies.com or uh, yes, alicetechnologies.com uh, and hit the homepage there and there's all kinds of great information about uh, Alice and demos and, and, and practices on there. I, I want to make sure that everybody, please go do that right now. Right after this, I'll put the link down below. Take a second, go check it out because it's worth, you're, you're thinking about it. You, you know, uh, someone once uh, had me read the book uh, Life 3.0, right? It was about, you know, really getting into AI and it changed my life. Well, I'm going to tell you guys, this is the kind of thing to really look at because it's going to change your companies, right? All, all you guys out there, the uh, subcontractors and contractor world, wherever you are in, in our construction world or development world, you know, you got to start looking at this type of technology to start really running your programs. It takes what we used to do with all of these forms and pro it, it, it puts it in a whole nother light. Renee, you and your group are, you're blowing the, blowing the socks off of it. Uh, that's really great to hear, Anthony. Thanks so much for, for saying that. Um, yeah, we, it's it's a labor of love. Like, we really love what we do, and and we think it's gonna, we think it's gonna change how the world builds. Right? It is. It, it, it is already. Uh, you guys are already are doing that. Uh, uh, if folks want to get a hold of you, uh, get a hold of Renee. Where, where do they get a hold of you? Shoot me an email, Renee at AliceTechnologies.com. All right, got it. So that's R E N E at yep. Alice Alice Technologies A L I S A L I C E technologies.com uh you, you get a hold of renee and i mean trust me the conversations i had pre pre-game were amazing uh and, and by the way we'll have you guys on again i i love what you're doing i want to continue to unravel what it takes to put this together i know it's a big big conversation to have and uh our audience loves this stuff i love I love it just love uh what you're doing and what you're up to so uh, uh kudos to you and and all your folks over there such a pleasure to be here, Anthony. Thanks so much, and I and, uh, hope your listeners have a great day, and you too. Thanks. Hey, if you guys liked this uh, podcast with Renee and I, please just take a second right now and, and like this. And, and, and if you really liked it, please subscribe. Uh, that's how we know that uh, we're, we're heading the right direction. If you got some comments or something you want about it, please put that down there. It helps us getting your feedback. It really does help uh, our entire crew learn how to do this better and get smarter at it. And, and we're grateful for all you listeners. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Monategi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry. Finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.